Tony Martinetti titled himself a Chief Inspiration Officer. John and I have not heard of this title before as a CIO, a Chief Inspiration Officer. And I will tell you, just coming off of that podcast, we're inspired. And I think you will be too. We talk about rediscovering your spark, how to set priorities and what may be overruling them, expanding your vision and narrowing your focus. This is an episode with plenty of mic drops including at the very end, he says, you're going to have to listen to the podcast to know what he says at the very end. Here is Tony. You're going to love him. Tony, thanks for joining us on the Entrepreneurs United podcast today. I'm looking forward to getting inspired. I know you work with a lot of people in transition from what I can see from your bio. And when when I hear chief inspiration coach, uh, I kind of lean in or chief inspiration officer. I, I lean in, I'm ready I want to learn. And when we, in this age right now, there's a lot of transition, a lot of people transitioning out of their careers into entrepreneurism, a lot of entrepreneurs trying to transition or pivot their companies in different ways. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? And then I may want to dive a little bit deeper into how you got there. What did you do before you're doing what you're doing? So first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I'm thrilled to be here. And uh, yeah, when you, when you have a title like chief inspiration officer, it's, it's uh, this element of people expect so much, right? But uh, I have to earn that every day. Um, it's something that I have to show up and create um, this space for people to feel inspired. Um, and I have to inspire myself. I often say that leaders have to um, be inspired in order to inspire. Yep. Um, so that's important. So let me tell you a little, a little bit about what I do and, and how I um, have come into this space. Well, I'll start with just what I do. Um, so I help people to really reignite their spark. Um, I've worked with a lot of accomplished leaders and people who are in transition, like you said, and entrepreneurs who are um, at this place where they've accomplished great things in the world. Sometimes they don't even see it, but they feel stuck. They feel like there's something missing. And this element of you know, not knowing you know, how to get to that next place in their lives or even know what that next place is. Yep. Um, so what I help people to do is to rediscover their spark and then move forward from there. Because one of the things that is so important to me is you can, you know, study all the books, you can, you know, you know, go and learn from all the gurus, but you can't just take in knowledge. You have to take action too. Um, that knowledge precedes action. And that's important. Yeah. Tony, you said rediscover your spark. Uh, I think I know what that means. What does that mean, though? Yeah. So what happens is oftentimes we go through this process of um, of navigating to the world. And, you know, we think we know what we want for ourselves. And, on you know, we start to go into this autopilot where we you know get into a pattern of like, OK, if I continue to do these things, this will get me the results. It's like we, we become a machine of our own habits and patterns. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, you look at yourself and you say, wow, how did I get into this place where I'm constantly coming in to work every day, rinse, wash, and repeat. And I'm not really feeling lit up any longer. I don't feel like I know where I'm headed um, or even desiring where I'm headed. So the spark comes from this desire to say like, I am excited and driven and feel connected and lit up by where I'm headed. Hmm. That's, that's, uh, that's something that sometimes we can, you know, if I think through it, I'm sure Rich can as well. 
we all get into that position from time to time. Uh, even if you're having to your point success, sometimes you just don't see it, but you come home and it's dinner time and then you relax for a little bit and then you go to bed. Next thing you know, it's groundhog's day. It's the next day again. You're getting up, you're going through the motions again, and you can get in that rinse, wash, repeat mode. Walk us back before we go a little bit further into, okay, let's talk a little bit more about this. Walk us back a little bit further. Is this something you experienced in your past, which kind of had a light bulb to, you know, you reignited yourself first? And then said, you know what? I think I can reignite others. Or tell us a little bit more about your past and how you came to this spot of doing this for your business. Yeah, um, I'm going to go a little bit all over the board, but I'll I'll start with um, okay. you know the moment that really um, got me where I am. So I spent you know 25 more than 25 years in corporate, and mm-hmm. um, you know I had some amazing jobs, and people look at me and they say like, wow, you know, picture of success, really happy on the outside, and you know I had been in this role where I was really finance, um, you know, I was putting myself in this box of the finance professional. That's who I am. That's what I do. And um, honestly, I was not that person, but people would always tell me like, oh, you're so much more than just the typical finance person. And I would say, hmm, what is the typical finance person? And you know, I don't know if I want to be that. (laughs) Um, So eventually I started to you know, I kept on moving forward and forward in my career and found myself at this place where I was burning myself out to be something that I'm not. Um, and I, I got to this really dark place in my career and life um, and got myself out of it with a glimmer of hope of just wanting to be there for my son, for my family, and realizing that there's more to life than what I was experiencing. And slowly but surely, I moved myself out of that dark spot and started to see that I could have more than what I was experiencing. And the moment that really ignited me was sitting in this boardroom and realizing um, I was at a biotech company. So you realize that, you know, working in an industry like biotech, where I worked for companies that saved lives. um, And here I was like, you know, really killing myself Mm -hmm. just to get by. Um, And these leaders in this particular room, they were, all they were concerned about is their own image. They weren't concerned about, you know, how happy or inspired these people were, or even if they were, they were motivated to do the work that they were doing. It was just about, am I right or am I wrong? And I, at that moment, sitting in that room, looking around and seeing everyone checked out, I decided, I think I've had enough of doing, uh, of conforming to the image of success that everyone else has. Um, I'm going to, to literally walk out of this room to change the room. And that's what I did. Um, I had no plan. I didn't know that coaching was going to be the way I'd do that or, you know, doing things that were different. I, I walked out and as I started to walk out of that room, um, I decided that at that moment, there was something about what I was doing was reconnecting with who I am, who I truly was. I was a, I was an artistic child who loved to paint, draw, do all these amazing things with art. But there was a lot of adults in my life who told me, oh, you've got to do something a little more, um, you know, safe, uh, something that's going to earn you a living. And that's where I started my path to becoming a pre-med major and then eventually going into business. And then, you know, it started this whole layer of what does success look like in the eyes of everyone else? So long story, but 
that's really where um, my journey kind of suppressed who I really was, but now opens me up to allow people to see their spark. And now you're opening others up in a similar way. How mm. ironic is it when you say you were killing yourself to get by saving the lives of others? You were killing yourself to save the lives of others. I think there are a mm. lot of entrepreneurs that can probably relate to that, that they're killing themselves to do what they feel in their product or service is in service of others or saving others okay. from you know poor product or service and they're killing themselves doing it. Can you speak to how does that resonate for you? When I reflect that back to you and go, wow, you're killing yourself to save others. And what have you seen in your coaching on how that mirrors for people you coach? Yeah, it's uh, when you start to really help them to see that that's what they're doing. It's really an amazing aha moment because, you know, one of the biggest things that I help people to, to unwind is like, how are your priorities being set and how are they being um, uh, overruled by all the things, the noise that gets in the way of you really focusing on the things that are most important to you. And when I say priorities, they're not always work related. Sometimes you have to have priorities that are outside of work too, like your family and your personal health. Um, those things have to take a, a, you know, a spot on your your wheel of priority. <laughs> so sure. ultimately, um, when I start to, to say like, well, you know, you want to do the right things, you have good intentions, but you get stuck in this, this pattern that's got you stuck doing the things that you think are going to serve you, but ultimately they're not. So it's time to, to pause, take a step away and redesign your focus, you know, really think differently. I, I, I'll just, interject with the one thing that I always help people to think about is there's this, um, the saying I have, which is, you know, uh, expand your vision, narrow your focus. And I love this because there's so many ways you can use this. Oftentimes when you're feeling stuck, when you're feeling like, Oh, life has just become such a, you know, monotonous mess. And I just don't love what I'm experiencing. You have to sometimes like step away from the wall you're staring at, expand your, your view of the world and see what else is possible. Like if you're continuing to do something one way and you feel like that's the only way, well, maybe there's another way, but you're just not seeing it. Maybe it means partnering with other people, like outsourcing certain things you're doing and finding other paths. And then once you do find that, narrowing your focus so that you're not doing everything but you are actually saying to yourself, yeah, this is the next step I'm going to take. So yep. I ensure that, that I get that done in a way that I want. Even if it's the wrong step, it's okay. That's the next thing I'm going to do. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll just expand and narrow again. You'd said in your journey, you noticed people were concerned about their image. When I think of that, I think people being concerned about being right and looking good. Can yeah. you connect the idea of being concerned about your image, being right and looking good yeah. with how that needs to pivot to be able to expand your vision, to narrow your focus? Yeah, 
Yeah. So first of all, um, when you think about this whole idea of like being right and being good, um, you know, there is no, it's all made up, right? There's, this is all a made up fictional world of like, you know, being right is all subjective. There is no right or wrong. Um, it's only based on the information you have in that given moment that you can, you know, make decisions. So, you know, what's right now might not be right in 10 minutes or in, in a year or in even a few months. So the reality is you have to kind of step away from, you know, the right or wrong. It's like, what do I know right now? And how can I ensure that I'm leading from a place of um, being transparent, authentic, and real with the people around me? And so um, if you feel like you don't know the answers or you don't have the, the path forward, stepping away and saying to yourself, okay, well, you know, what am I not seeing that I should be mindful of right now? Um, what are some possibilities? And maybe those possibilities are not in my purview. Maybe they're the people around me who have those answers. So I'll ask them and be okay with that because I don't have to have all the answers. Being the leader does not mean having all the answers. It means being able to be resourceful enough to say, hey, I know where I want to, you know, I, I know where we're generally headed, but I'm not attached to how we get there. What are some ideas? And then once those ideas come to the top, we all come to agreement on where we can head for, you know, go forward. And that's what the narrowing process is, is we agree on the path forward. Mm. And you had said earlier to focus on doing what's next, even if you get it wrong, that's okay. That's still what's yeah. next. In my experience with people, not even just exclusively leaders or entrepreneurs, but uh, even family members. Uh, one of my kids who is 21 years old now, who is really tied up in getting it right on her next career move. Mm. And I've had a conversation with her about, <clears throat> you don't need to decide what you're going to do. You just need to decide what you're going to do next. And it may not be ultimately what you're going to do. But I find with entrepreneurs and many others, there's this perfectionism that gets in the way of allowing ourselves to just do what's next and trust opportunities will open up from there. How do you work with entrepreneurs that have a bit of a perfectionism bug and get them then focused on it's okay to just do what's next? You'll figure it out. How do you get them over that hump? Yeah. This there's an element of this, which is to say that, you know, it's not like you're just kind of randomly taking shots in the, in the dark. Um, I, you know, I came from a world of finance. So um, I used to talk about measured risk. You're taking, you're taking risk into all of the equations that you, that you do, but it's not like you're doing it in a way that says like, Oh, I'll randomly do this. You're, you're thinking about what you're doing in advance and saying, gosh, if this doesn't work out, I know what I'll, I know what I could do with this. I, we may learn something that will actually inform the next step after that. So it's not a randomness. There's some thought process and logic behind the next step. And I always think about it, um, and I'm not sure if this is exactly answering your question, but I'll just say it like this. Think about it as if you're, you're kind of weaving a narrative. Like what would I tell myself or tell others if this didn't work out? Or what would I tell people if this was a year from now and this was a success or this was a failure? Like, how could I, how could I see myself pivoting from here? Yep. 
And that actually helps you because it says to yourself like, gosh, I'm okay with taking this risk because I can see how this would lead to something else. Can you walk us through, because, you know, finance people of nature are not necessarily risk takers. uh, And I know that you had a finance background and you said earlier, I decided to walk out that room. I, at that moment, right then, had my aha moment. I was going to walk out of that room. Um, how did you measure your risk in that particular scenario? Uh, because, you know, what was your, to walk us through exactly that thinking. What was your story? What was your, if this doesn't work, how did you measure that risk in that particular example? Yeah. So I, I will be um, very honest. It was a, this, one of the scariest moments of my life because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, have a family at a, you know, really, um, really comfortable corporate salary, um, and not knowing where I would be able to, um, you know, cover those, those, um, those, sure. you know, that financial, um, impact if I had failed. Yeah. Um, at that point though, I had experienced enough in life to realize that nothing is permanent. Mm-hmm. And I was also comfortable and humble enough to say, gosh, this is an experiment. If I were to go out there and do something different, I can always come back to a corporate career. I can always recreate something in my life. I can always, there's no door that closes permanently. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one thing I always, you know, I, I never say like, oh, you should leave your company now and then go do your own thing. I always say, if you're going to start something like that, don't leave your day job, you know, start experimenting with something new. Sure. What I did was very different. It was, I, I kind of jumped out without a, a parachute, yeah. but I also say that my risk, um, the measured risk that I took was that I know that I can do other things. I'm capable yeah. of being able to create new things. And I'm okay. If I were to tell the story of, you know, I, I had this inkling that this would be something that would be powerful, um, you know, experiment. And if it didn't work out, I would learn a lot. And those learnings would be powerful for me to bring back into the corporate world. Sure. So let's bring this all the way back just a little bit. Um, either you have a book coming out or you have a book that's out called climbing the right mountain. Is that correct? It sure is. It was uh, released in June. Okay. And, um, ironically enough, I'm working on my second book, which is great. Uh, I'll mention as well. But. So climbing the right mountain, if we sum up everything we've been talking about in this first portion of our conversation, a lot of it is assessing, are you on the right mountain? Are you where you want to be going? And I think what you've just been talking about here recently is a lot of times too, people are too caught up in the, well, I want to be right and I want to be good. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm okay killing myself for my employees. It's not about me. It's about them or my customers or my this. And they get caught in this, this track that makes them miserable. It puts them into this autopilot. It puts them into this situation. So talk to me a little bit about, A, how and when do you work with entrepreneurs? How, do, how does that happen? What, what, who's, you know, who should be contacting you and when and where? And what do you do with them specifically to help them make sure they're on the right mountain or help them reassess, expand their vision and narrow in on the right mountain. Yeah. I love, I love that you bring this up. So first of all, the, the book is not just for entrepreneurs, but it's but for anyone who's sure. willing to challenge their, their definition of what success looks like. And um, you know, instead of, 
following the herd and saying, okay, well, this is what I should prescribe to you because everyone else is going there. Um, you know, the reality is you can define it on your own terms. And when should people start to think about this always and anytime, you know, I, when I'm working with entrepreneurs, um, usually there it's after a certain point where they've gotten this, they've started the company, they've gotten things um, a little off the ground and they've started to realize that they need a little more help um, connecting with people around their vision and connecting with people around ensuring that they're on the right path. They're building mm -hmm. the team. Um, and that's really where it's important for them to say, gosh, have I gotten clarity about who it is that I am and who, who it is that I want to be and what my company's all about? Because if I can't be 100% clear about who I am and what I'm after, it's going to be hard for me to, to develop talent, to retain talent or attract talent in the first place without that ability to connect with them on a very you know, uh, personal, almost subconscious level. And I say that and you're like, oh my God, what is he talking about? But the reality is we attract people or repel people just by how we present ourselves. Sure. Right. And um, we could say the right words. We could, you know, present these stories that say, this is what I believe. But if we don't actually give off the energy that says that or do the right actions that say that, then we start losing them. And they will, they can smell that inauthenticity from the get-go. Sure. So it's important for entrepreneurs to see, okay, what do I really believe in? Am I showing up as a person who understands what, what I want and what I want for my company? And do I believe it deep down? Yeah. Tony, yeah. you talk about the attract and repel. And I, I don't think any of our listeners would disagree that there is a magnetism about some people that they can attract yeah. or repel. Mm -hmm. How? When you work with people and you talk to them about this concept and they go, yeah, I want to attract. And you talked about energy. Yeah. How? What, what is the how to? How does someone make themselves an attracting magnet more? Yeah. Well, um, this is in a, not going to come as too much of a surprise, but it starts by really understanding, becoming aware of yourself. Um, everything starts with self-leadership and knowing what it is that you want to be as a leader. Tony, People I want to speak for the mind of our listeners. What does that even mean? Yeah. Understanding yourself. Like, yeah. I get it. Sounds woo-woo. Like, what does that even mean? Like, how do, how do I know when I'm like, okay, I now understand myself? Yeah. So. One of the things that people often don't really spend the time doing is understand what do I value? What are my values and how am I, how am I really listening to the things that I value? If I'm a person who says, you know, yeah, I, I do value um, family. I value, um, you know, people's persistence. I value quality. I value these things. And yet I don't actually share those things with the people around me. I don't actually model that for the people around me that lead by example, then it's problematic because they pick up on that and they say, gosh, you say this, but you don't do that. And I think that's one of the things that I'm always challenging people to do is to say, you know, what are you, how are you putting your, um, your energy out there? How are you showing up as the leader that you uniquely want to be starting with values, but also other things that really are part of who you are as a leader.
So get a real grip on what you value in there. You know, if you just Google values exercise, there are lots of values exercises that help kind of get that going. But then it's about being conscious about showing it and modeling it is what I heard. The other piece I heard from you earlier was you reconnected with who you were and you realize that's who you are. And when you reconnected, it sounded like you remembered who you were as a kid, that you were more artistic and you were finding yourself Mm -hmm. in something that was pretty exacting with finance. Is that another avenue to uh, understanding yourself is looking to where some of your impulses led you in childhood? Yeah. Now, the fact that you bring this up is really powerful because this is an exercise that is can be really important for people is that the clues as to how to connect with who you really are comes from where you came from, but it also comes from the future too. It's like, who do you want to be, right? So when I looked back, when I, when I spent the time to actually dig into the, the recesses of who I was as a child and what are the things that made me who I am, and that doesn't just show up one day, I started to see, gosh, I'm hiding these things, these gifts, these strengths that I wasn't really honing. So one of the things I say to people is like, start by doing an inventory of who you are and don't hold back. Like make sure you're looking at the themes that have shown up in your life. Then go into the future and say, who do I really want to be? Like, what is the person? How do I want to lead? I create what's called a leadership vision with people where I help them to connect with the the leader they want to be. And there's an element of that, which is important, which is to say, you can start embodying the skills and the, and the, the qualities of that person now. And that's where you come into the present. What is the next step you can take to become that person? Tony, you said something is, is one of the first things you said in this whole yeah. conversation that I think is part of the problem. Um, mm-hmm. Create space. Yeah. Is it fair to say that as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a person, part of the issue is we don't give ourselves enough space to have these conversations with ourselves or with a coach? We're too busy. We're running around. We're running the rat race. We've got too many things going on, and we don't spend enough time figuring out if we're on the right mountain to begin with. Yeah. I mean, John, that is um, honestly the the number one thing that is important is like you really have to focus on creating space for the important reflections and mm-hmm. to ask the right questions of yourself and i think that's where a lot of us get stuck in this pattern of okay we're just keep on moving yeah. moving moving but ultimately if we pause step back and say oh wait a minute what am i doing and yeah. what am i after my tagline, just to kind of, you know, share this is that when I started my business, I said inspiration through honest conversation. Mm. And it's very purposeful because those honest conversations are not just with other people. Sometimes it's those honest conversations we need to have with ourselves about what am I after? Who am I? And what am I really wanting to be? Yeah. So over the years, participated in leadership sessions, would go see 
Zig Ziglar talk or different, you know, inspirational speakers talk. And, yeah. um, you know, we'd always do some self-evaluation. Rich and I, back in our 20s, would be like, what do we want to do when we get older? And, you know, we do all that kind of stuff. But then you get into it. And yeah. I found myself, uh, you would never see me not on a phone call, not in a meeting, not responding to emails, uh, you know, let's call it, quote unquote, the workaholic, right? Uh, still spending time with my family, but when I was spending time with my family, it was like running around from baseball game to soccer game to this to that to dinners to family events to, you know, we go on vacation and now we're, we're running around with the kids and really not spending time to reassess my life and where I was going yeah. and had a, a gift of a sabbatical, I'll call it, uh, <laughs> uh, for a year in, in 2019 prior to, to COVID uh, that year before and did a lot of that inspiration through honest conversations with myself and I gave myself space and I, and it, it, one of the biggest aha moments for me out of that was why haven't I done this before? Like, why haven't I given myself space before to think? Because, you know, Rich, you were saying, you know, okay, well, I have values. I know how to go find values. Like how do you, or, or you know, self-awareness, what does that mean? You, we can figure that out. You can Google stuff and figure stuff out. The question is we don't give ourselves the time to do it. Mm. And how can we change that culture? You know, we'll spend three days to schedule a business planning summit and we bring, you know, fly everybody into town and we'll commit three days for business planning meetings on what we want our business to be, but we won't spend two hours thinking for ourselves and, you know, uh, what we want for ourselves. How do we change that culture? Well, you know, my answer to that is really, it comes down to what I said earlier. There's this knowledge without action and, I think that's important. You need to be able to hold this ability to say, okay, it's great to pick up all this, this learning, go to these sessions, but if you're not going to do anything with it, it becomes almost useless. Mm. And what I've found is that this is where, you know, having a coach or someone who can, can be your accountability buddy um, is so important. My approach yeah, I, to coaching is um, my approach to coaching and really to leadership in general is to, um, to be compassionate and accountable. You know, you hold people for who they, where they are, you know, when they fall down, you pick them up, but you hold them accountable because you want to make sure that they rise to the level of their greatness. Yeah. So, you know, when, when you talk about being a chief inspiration officer, yeah, I don't necessarily see you as the go, go, John, like run faster, go, 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 like like motivating me or inspiring me in my race necessarily. Mm -hmm. What I see you as is more of a thought leadership, thought accountability, thought coach to make sure that you're inspiring me to take action on knowledge in a proper direction and to Mm -hmm. take those pauses and reflect and a more, more thoughtful uh, inspiration than a raw, raw inspiration. Is that a fair assessment? You're absolutely right on the money. I mean, that's exactly the style. You know, one of the things that I've uncovered in my journey is that when people have had conversations with me, especially in the earlier days, they said, gosh, there's something about, you know, you create a space, you have a grounding energy and you, you leave people with this, leave me with this feeling of just seeing more possibilities, Mm. you know, just by, you know, allowing me to explore and, you know, allowing the sparks to fly, if you will. And I think that's something that I really enjoyed. And 
I didn't know that about myself. So I had to, this is my discovery as well as their discovery. And that's what this is all about. It's a co-creation process. And it's a beautiful thing to see that happen. Love it. So keep walking us up the mountain. What's the next book? Oh, the next book. So (laughs) I've, I created a podcast called the virtual campfire. Yep. And in this podcast, I've interviewed over 170 people now um, that have been on these transformational journeys. I, you know, what I say in the intro is that, you know, people don't just show up making a huge impact in the world. There's a journey they've gone on. Um, and what I've uncovered in this podcast is these flashpoints, points in your journey that have ignited your gifts into the world. And the book that I'm creating is called Campfire Lessons. And the byline is not created yet, but um, I'm basically bringing together these amazing people's stories into a book, but I'm also looking at the through lines, the themes, what have been the commonalities about all these people? Some of these people are, you know, leaders of industry, they're, you know, authors, speakers, um, and some relatively, you know, normal average people who you'd, you'd, you'd almost overlook, but their stories are remarkable. They've overcome things from, you know, being destitute on the street to, you know, becoming millionaires. And what I've found is that we don't go it alone. You know, people think there's some martyr out there. You just go out there and you just, you know, I'm going to be the entrepreneur who's going to conquer the world. But the reality is we need people. We need others along our journey to support us, to champion us, to help us. Um, That's definitely one theme that I think has been so important. And I've heard it from almost every guest. Flashpoints. Excuse me. Flashpoints that ignite you in your journey. That is just, I mean, it's almost poetic. Flashpoints that ignite. Is there a consistency that you've seen in your guests on your podcast on how these flashpoints manifest and how to get the most out of those flashpoints? It's a great question. Um, they've, the, they don't always come from this place of like dire, you know, okay, like I, you know, diagnosed with cancer or, you know, had a miscarriage and then, you know, or these dark moments. They're not always those moments. Sometimes they're little things. So we have to be always listening, always taking in information. It could come from just like, hey, I'm sitting here doing work that I don't really feel connected with anymore. And I made a decision to just to do something different and and move on. Or um, there's one story of a, a woman who's sitting on an airplane next to, you know, decides to have a conversation with someone next to her and it changed her entire life. You know, how often do you get on an airplane and ignore people? Cause you're like, I just don't want to talk today. Right. This is not my thing. But that person she talked to changed her entire life. It opened up an entire door to, you know, a business that she couldn't have imagined. So that's, there's really no commonality besides keeping your ears open and your eyes open because you never know where that flashpoint could show up. So the commonality is really being uh, a consistent learner, keeping your ears and your eyes open, not feeling closed, not feeling like you know it all, engaging in the conversations, uh, almost like looking for the next flashpoint for yourself that you can engage and shift your way of being into being your best self. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And I love that you bring that up because it's just like, it is, you know, I, being a learner is like, if you think about the factors of success, like being a learner and being humble is ironically one of the key factors of being successful. Mm -hmm. Factors. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Powerful. Uh, I have two questions uh, before we wrap. One is, I just wrote a note down to myself on wanting to ask you, how do you stay conscious and not slip back into that autopilot where you don't have a spark? So once you go, okay, ooh, I'm on a roll. I'm in that place where I got a spark. Mm. What do I do to not slip backwards in the autopilot to keep the spark? It's a great question. And um, one of the things that I've, I've got myself, it's, a, it's more of a practical tool than anything else. Um, I set myself up weekly for a, um, an hour session, usually on a Sunday. And I'll sit down and I will look at the past week and I'll look at the, the next week. And I say to myself, okay, what about, what is it about next week that has me excited? What is, what has me lit up about next week? And if there's nothing in the calendar for next week that has me excited or feeling, you know, any amount of emotion towards positive emotion, there might be something wrong with the way I'm designing my life. And it might be time to rethink that. Mm. You are the author of your life. You're not, you know, a victim of, of um, circumstance. Um, although most of us sometimes think we are, um, I sometimes have to re-engage and think about my, my calendar and say, gosh, it's time to cancel some of those meetings because I'm not going to show up for myself in the way I want to <clears throat> if I don't change the way that I'm designing my flow of life. Mm. Well, that's a very scary thought, actually. Mm. Um, I would hate to challenge you, Rich, me, and anybody else listening to this to look at their calendar for the next week and see if it actually gets them excited. Yeah. That's a scary thought. Like you yes. always know when you have a big, let's for lack of a better example, if I have a big event next Friday, I know the whole week, I'm like, oh, I can't wait till Friday. I can't wait till Friday. I can't wait till Friday. Uh, you know, and, and you know, we act like a little kid again, right? Oh my gosh, this is so exciting on Friday. This is what we're doing. And then Friday comes, you're like, man, this came so quick and, and passed so quick. But then, man, that's a really good challenge. Uh, I, I am scared to actually look, uh, you know, and have everybody look at what you have planned this next coming week and, and see if you're not excited, but what do you do if you're not what I cancel meetings, but then what, you know, that's just an interesting and scary thought that people, I challenge everybody to do. And then the follow-up point that he suggested there is if you're not excited about something you have coming up, there may be something wrong in how you've designed maybe not life. just the upcoming week, but you get a period of weeks like that. It may be how you design life. Exactly. That's exactly. powerful. Tony, uh, one final question for you. I want to give you an opportunity to absolutely leave your mark on our listeners and to take a shot at creating a spark for people who are leaning in, who loved this conversation, that want that last nugget from you. What's the mark that you can leave and the spark you can create for those types of listeners? Yeah, yeah. 
I would say that um, what is one thing that you're going to do next year with your life or your business that's going to that would scare you so much that it requires you to enlist other people in that journey? Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. Rich, do you create space in your schedule to allow yourself the time to think and be inspired, make sure you're on the right mountain? Is that something you do on a regular basis? I do when I'm operating at my best. And I wouldn't say I'm always operating at my best. And one of the ways I know if I'm operating at my best is if I have that time. If I have slush time in my schedule, if I'm not overbooked, if I'm not working on weekends, if I can protect time to reflect, um, I enjoy that time. And there are times that uh, I wish I prioritized it over other work. Um, So most of the time, yes, but not all the time. What about you? So this is my first year uh, that you know, I mentioned on the podcast, you know, I had that sabbatical and during that sabbatical, it's all I did. Uh, it was create space, but it was the first time I'd ever really created space for me to think about, am I on the right mountain as Tony would say. And then this year, early, early on in 2021, we had an episode with Dr. Julie Bell and she talked about grabbing that white piece of paper and 20 minutes every day. And that's something I've religiously done this year. Uh, I've missed some days for sure, but I've also put in, you know, 40 minutes or 60 minutes in the other days. That's been really helpful uh, in terms of gathering thoughts and thinking. But then I find myself making a to-do list on my on my white sheet of paper and uh, maybe some other thoughts. But it's not really macro. It's not stepping back, expanding my vision, and then narrowing focus. Which I I, I love that. I, I for, mm. you know, there's a lot of people that expand their vision and then expand their focus too. Yes. And they get all over the place and they can't manage what they're doing. I find myself still having a hard time to give myself a self retreat. And I know that the one thing planner, as an example, talks about having, you know, your own retreat for yourself where you can go away for two days just to think it's very hard for people to do that. I know very few people that actually execute that. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I'm looking at my notes where it has expand your vision, narrow your focus. And right after that, he was talking about, Uh, focusing on what to do next, even if you get it wrong. And I actually made a note for something I wanted to ask you about in this debrief. Yeah. Uh, I heard something recently that as an entrepreneur, it's okay however many times you fail because you only need to get it right once. Yeah. Talk about your mindset in your journey. Because you've certainly taken, you're more entrepreneurial than I am. You've taken more risks than I am, than I have. Uh, Consequently, you've failed in more businesses than I have because you've gotten involved in more than I have because I have more of a perfectionism or or fear of failure or uh, whatever you want to call that. But there's something to this doing what's next, even though you may get it wrong, Mm -hmm. that is an entrepreneurial spirit. But I find some entrepreneurs get bound up by that. And I don't feel like you have. And I wanted to hear you kind of speak to some of your story on why haven't you been bound up by that? Yeah. Well, you know, there is also the saying, you only fail when you stop trying. Uh, but, like that. you know, entrepreneurs by default don't want to fail at anything. 
they want to win the sale. They don't want to lose the sale. They don't want to lose a key employee. They want to win. They don't like failure. And part of being an entrepreneur is having the resiliency to stick through tough times to get to the other side and not just quit because you know it didn't work the first time or you know the first sale didn't come through so let's just shut down the company this didn't work right a lot of very successful businesses had very turbulent times at first but the entrepreneurs were resilient enough to get them through still ultimately uh, some businesses ultimately end up in a failure component and it's a very, very hard time. Like obviously when, when I talk about taking a sabbatical for the first, first sabbatical I ever took in my professional career, it came after a massive failure and I needed to regroup and refocus. And it was very, very, very difficult. Were you gun shy to take risk again after that massive failure? Or did you just go, eh, huge learning lessons, not going to do that again. What's next? Well, I'll, I'll use the words that Tony talked about. My measured risk component came back into play. I had mm-hmm. to take the learnings that I had from that particular experience. And I talked about it in this particular episode. I'm not at the point where I'm looking back at that as a gift. What took place was a, was a gift of learning, a gift of, of, of humbling, right? And, um, and so now I had to recreate my story of, okay, what mountain am I going to climb? That was my transition. I, I had to transition myself and figure out what is my purpose, and you know, one of the results of that sabbatical is I came up with finding my purpose and kicking ass. <laughs> I had to find my my book, my story, what I wanted to go do. And sure, there are risks that maybe I took before that maybe now I'm a little more calculated because I learned from those other risks. But I'm still willing to take action, and I'm okay with you know not everything I do not working uh, as long as I extract learnings from it. But make no mistake about it, Rich. Like failure's tough, man. It's really, really tough. And in, in business and life, like when stuff happens that doesn't go your way, uh, it's a very humbling experience and, it, and it's difficult. And when you say take action, my mind completed some of a quote there, which is take action in the face of uncertainty. Yeah. You know, I've only got three post-it notes on my monitor on the side here. And one of the post-it notes I heard from somebody and made a note of it and stuck it up there because I loved it so much because I felt like I could use it. That kind of speaks to this take action in the face of uncertainty thing that you're referencing there. It says, great leaders make decisions with 70% of the information. Mm. Yep. Not 95, not 100. Like there's still some uncertainty and great leaders need to move. So let's relate that to a story we all know too well, right? It's probability. It's playing blackjack and the dealer has a six and you have a 10, right? Or whatever, you double down. The probability is in your favor. If you're an expert poker player, you're going to make that move every single time. The probability is not 100%. It might be 70%. It might be 70%, but the probability is at play. Mm. And if you play the probabilities, you'll head yourself in the right direction. Now, we all would love to have 100%, but no one really ever has 100%. So you want to, it's, it's a probability play of what the right decision is to make because what ends up happening, the opposite of decision is indecision. And so instead of doubling down, you surrender mm. <laughs> on that 10 versus a and six. Cut your loss. Cut your loss. How does that get you? That's interesting. I, gosh, I never looked at uh, 
entrepreneurialism or starting businesses as a probability play. I've never looked at it like that. That's uh, that's well, inspiring. But, but, but just to be clear, Rich, you you weren't saying if you have seventy percent of the information, you start a business. You're saying if you had seventy percent of the information, you make the decision. Make a decision, yeah. So that doesn't necessarily mean start a business. Maybe maybe you want to be at ninety percent to start a business or whatever <laughs> it may be. But to make a decision, if you wait to have all of the information and you're stuck in paralysis analysis, I've experienced you know, the, the window of opportunities passed often. That's right. By the time you get certain enough, the opportunity to act is is gone. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. just to come back to reset us for a minute on this piece where I had asked him, um, how do you stay conscious and not slip back? Yeah. And he had talked about the hour on Sunday to look at what you're excited about in your upcoming week. Yeah. And your response was like, that's scary. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Like there are certainly some events in life and we're getting into the holiday season. So it could be, I'm excited for seeing family. I'm excited for Christmas, but on a, on a regular February, right in the middle of winter and you look at your schedule on a Sunday, go, what I got going on next week. Usually it's, yeah, I got meetings. I got stuff I need to do. That's not very exciting. And, and and you very well characterize what he said. It's like, if you look at it and you're not excited, maybe you should reevaluate that week, but maybe you should reevaluate your life. Like, are you, you're if you're not it. doing things that are going to really ignite you and excite you, you know, and, and, and that kind of leads me to a whole other piece, Rich, when he talked about that transformational journey and the flashpoints that ignite you on your journey, mm. which you thought was very po poetic. And he talked about, you always need to listen. You always, you know, he gave the example of being in an airplane and, you know, man, I don't feel like talking to anybody. You end up talking to the person next to you and that person changes your life. Well, that's no different than how we both met our spouses. Like we could have not talked to that person or, you know, and, and, but that person changed our lives. And so you always need to be aware of what is going on. Uh, and, and way too many times we put our head down, we get on the rat race. And we just kind of go around and around and around and around and around and around. And around. We have no idea what we're actually trying to accomplish. And that's kind of where I found myself a few years back prior to this failure. I, I was just running for the sake of running. I was growing for the sake of growing. I was having fun, but I wasn't really sure if I was on the right mountain or not. I was just going. I feel like the key to it is putting yourself in a position to be able to be ignited, yeah. to be able to have the spark. If you and I were sitting around on our couches uh, or in the doing the do in our businesses right now in this moment, we might not have the same opportunity to have a spark. I feel like doing this podcast together is exactly that for us. It presents an opportunity to get a spark. And just like that you know, example on the plane where if you don't talk to the person, you don't have the opportunity to get a spark. If you talk to them, you at least have an opportunity. So I think the, the trick shot for me anyway, is putting myself in position where there's an opportunity to get a spark more often. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this, Rich, the way he ended. Mm. What's the one thing? It was a mic drop. Yeah. What's the <laughs> one thing that you're going to do in the next year, and it's a perfect time to be thinking about stuff like this because we're now going into 2022 planning, right? What's the one thing you're going to do next year that scares you and is going to have you solicit others into your camp on this next journey? And what's interesting is it wasn't too long ago that that one thing was asking you to do this podcast with me. 
It scared us. We weren't really sure what we were doing. Well, let's go do it. And it had to bring you into that fold. What's that one thing for us next year? What's that one thing for our listeners next year that's going to scare them, but challenge them and excite them and ignite them into the future? <laughs>